Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. If I did not have a creative outlet, I think that I would not be able to do the job that I do. I think I would be completely overwhelmed by the stress of the day. and I would not have a way to disengage my brain and focus on something different. I'm really thrilled to be talking to Christy McKellen today about how she carves out time for her creative practice. If you can believe it, she carves out an hour every single day and how she has identified some of those creative outlets that she wants to pursue. And hopefully this episode inspires you to find something that feeds your soul creatively and to find time to take up that creative practice. Because I think it's really, really important for us to be exceptional marketers. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. I'm so excited to have with me today Christy Eve McLennan, who is the Vice President of Communications and Marketing at Meredith College. Welcome, Christy. How are you? Uh, thank you, Jamie, so much for having me on the show. I'm doing great, and I, I'm such a fan of the podcast, uh, so I can't believe I'm actually here as a guest. I'm so happy to have you on. I've been following you on Twitter for a while and on LinkedIn for a while, and I always enjoy your tweets and, and everything you have to say. And I'm really excited to dig into the topic of creativity and how your outside creativity can fuel your work life and vice versa. Um, but before we get started on that conversation, can you tell us a little bit about your higher ed journey? Uh, yeah, I actually got started in higher ed uh, communications as an intern in the communications office at the university that I that I went to and really realized that that could be a career path. And after a short um, stint in nonprofit marketing and communications, I found my way to higher ed and have been there for the last uh, 22 years. Most of that in my um, current institution, Meredith College. That's awesome. How did you make that decision so early? Was it like being in that office as an intern? Was that just coincidence that you landed in that internship or did you seek that out thinking you wanted to work in higher ed communication? It was a, a little bit of a, a coincidence. I knew I wanted to major in communications and you know, d uh, knew the uh, director of communications there and we got to talking one day and realized that uh, there might be an internship opportunity to work with somebody that I just admired, you know, hadn't necessarily thought about uh, working at 
an institution just wanted to, to work with somebody I knew I could learn from and realize, oh, this is a job. People make careers <laughs> out of out of this. It's more than just a fun internship at a place I already knew that I that I liked. Um, so that's a little bit about how that how that came about. I remember being in college and sitting on the mall at the University of Minnesota, which is where I got my undergraduate degree, and thinking, I wish I could have a job at a university. And it didn't even occur to me that that was a thing you could do besides being a professor. Like, you're a professor or you're a student, and that's all that there really was at at universities, which is so bizarre because you're interacting all the time with non-faculty staff, but it just seemed like this totally abstract notion of a, a career that you could have on a college campus without being a professor. Yeah, I, I kind of was similar to you in thinking that uh, there was only two things that you could do, be a professor or a student. And I, my parents uh, have joked that I have found a way to be a perpetual student <laughs> by working <laughs> in higher ed for pretty much my whole career. Once I started working in higher ed, it was like, why would I, I want to work anywhere else? Now, during COVID, I thought of a lot of reasons why I wanted to work anywhere else, but it's such a great place to work. Yeah, I love that uh, learning is part of what we do every day. You know, it's part of our jobs to go to guest speakers and meet these fascinating people and uh, help students figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life. So it, it is very rewarding. So recently you tweeted about your goal to spend an hour a day creating and that just was like, yes, that is that resonated with me so much. Um, I have a personal goal to paint 50 paintings over the course of the next year. And so I just loved this idea of spending an hour a day creating. Tell me a little bit about why that's important to you. I have a tendency, like uh, many people, probably to spend a lot of time in my own head. And when I am doing something creative, it forces me to be in the moment and also to take more risk. I think um, as we get older, get a little bit more uh, set in our careers, uh, we can uh, f- forget about the need you know, to take risks, get a little you know, set in our, our ways. And marketing is a field that you need to be constantly innovating. So uh, you know, spending some time focusing on that creative side really uh, helps me uh, do all of that. I tell people that painting or photography or whatever, like your whole brain has to be engaged in it. So you cannot be stressed about work when you're doing it because you don't have any brain power left to expend on that. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, photography is one of the things that I uh, dabble in, landscape photography, and you really can't be thinking about that issue at at work, you know, the uh, positions you might need to fill or, you know, the crisis of of the day when you are standing on the side of a cliff (laughs) trying to, you know, (laughs) capture, you know, some wildlife or, you know, adjust your settings to you know get a sunrise you have to be totally in the moment otherwise you'll miss it or hurt yourself (laughs) (laughs) and hurting yourself is less than ideal exactly (laughs) when when I was um at Radford University about um, 10 years ago now um my husband and I actually opened a photography studio and it was just such a great way to like see different people to interact with different people to be in a different headspace but it was a little bit stressful because we ran it as a business and it was like there's this tendency to always want to like monetize your side hustle 
for your creative outlets, are you are those purely for you or are you monetizing those? Are you trying to make money off of your, your creative pursuits? I, I'm trying to make a little bit of money, uh, just enough to uh, be able to afford to upgrade the equipment <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> That's really what I'm trying to do. I'm not, you know, trying to make a second career or, you know, earn significant, you know, supplemental income out of it. But, it, you know, it'd be nice, uh, you know, to make a, a few hundred dollars so I could upgrade my lens. <laughs> Uh, oh, and photography equipment is very expensive. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how, what are your creative outlets? You've mentioned photography, but before we started, you also mentioned writing. So tell me a little bit about what you pursue creatively. Writing, I'm really more of a short story uh, writer. Mm -hmm. I've never been uh, one of those writers that thought, oh, I've got all these books, you know, in me. Um, I, I like to uh, tell stories uh, either through personal essays or, you know, just short story format, also uh, photography, mostly landscape. I really admire that you did some portrait uh, photography uh, that takes a completely different uh, skill set and really scares, scares me <laughs> to think about, <laughs> about doing that. And I do some uh, blogging as well. Oh, cool. What, what, do you have a favorite or do you find that they're all just equally important to you? They're really important in different ways. I mean, writing has been a constant throughout my life. I mean, even as an elementary school kid, it's something that I did for fun, you know, journaled or, you know, we probably all had the assignment of where you had to write sentences from your spelling words. I wrote stories with recurring, you know, characters, you know, each, each week. Um, so that's just been something that's always been an outlet and important to me. Photography has been a little bit more recent. It's something that I started to do more in uh, 2019 when I was out one day and just noticed I was out at a strip mall waiting for my husband to you know pick up some dinner, bring it out, and I noticed a gorgeous uh, sunset and had uh, my cell phone uh, with me and got a you know a, a great shot. And I thought, you know, let's let's see if you can <laughs> develop this uh, a, a little bit more. Um, so it has been um, something that I've really enjoyed um, just figuring out more about yeah. how to do. I feel like photography has that art and science element to it too. It's like that, that marketing has, like you have the science of like aperture and, and um, focal length and you know everything like that but you also have like the art of it um which I think marketing has too I think it's a fantastic hobby yeah I hadn't thought about it that way but you're right that there are uh some parallels there yeah I guess you could probably say that's true for a lot of artistic pursuits I think a lot of people think of you know music is artistic but it's also about math, math you know the yeah. the beats and all of that um, there's a lot to be learned, I think, in life from from hobbies. Um, probably, you know, my confession probably should have been that I have a novel that's been sitting for five years waiting for me to come back to it and, and edit and do something with it. Um, I find writing to be the hobby that I struggle with the most because I do so much of it in my day-to-day -day job. Do you have uh, any issues with switching your brain from you know, creative non or creative fiction to marketing style writing? 
at this point in my job, I feel like the most interesting thing that I'm writing are emails on a uh, daily (laughs) basis, Uh, especially like you said, we've been coming off COVID and, you know, that's what I felt like I did on a day-to-day basis, you know, sent out uh, campus-wide emails of here are the guidelines, you know, for, you know, for today. Um, So I'm, I'm happy to shut that off to be able to focus on more creative. I I do struggle a little bit with the more creative writing to sometimes come up with the idea once. I come up mm-hmm. with the idea and, and, and direction, I can go from there. Um, but that's a little bit more of the challenge for me, not the switching back and forth. I um, would love to hear why you think it's important for marketing leaders, like like you and I both, you know, CMOs, but even, you know, anybody in marketing to have a creative outlet. Well, I don't think it's unique to to marketing leaders. I think it's a good idea for any leader uh, to develop a creative habit. But specific to marketing leaders, I think most of us were drawn to the field because we enjoy uh, connecting with people. Uh, We like to inspire or we enjoy telling a story. And I think creative outlets give you a way to another way to express those things and, and, and feed those desires. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Involify podcast possible. MindPower is a full service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. Yeah, like it triggers different part of your brain or something when you're doing it that you can bring that lens to your day-to-day work. I think that's really um, a special thing about creative outlets. And I'm curious about how you find time, an hour a a day dedicated to creativity. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot, you know, in the whole scheme of a job and getting ready for work and doing your hair and, you know, driving and commuting and all of that. How do you carve out the time to dedicate an hour of day to it? Well, it is definitely a work in in progress. Um, I, I am an early riser, uh, not by choice. That's just my uh, body has decided that <laughs> 4 a.m. is now the, the time I get up. Um, so I do a lot of it before work, uh, mm. which is you know part of why I'm like, okay, let's go um, photograph the sunrise because you're awake. You might as well see yeah. this, you know, wonder that unfolds in the sky every day and 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 capture it. Um, so that's that's one way. Uh, I also do it uh, a lot on the weekends. Um, but it, you know, I, I mentioned it's a work in in progress. I, I haven't hit the hour every every day that I've tried to do it, and I I've realized that I think it's more important to make it a daily habit 
instead of just doing it in, you know, spurts, you know, spending a lot of time on the weekends, it's more important to make a daily habit and focus less on, did I hit the hour? Well, did I, you know, did I get 20 minutes? You know, maybe we can <laughs> hit an average of an hour uh, and, and work up uh, to the hour. So yeah, that's my I, confession. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that there's something to be said about doing it before work too, because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I get home at the end of the day, I'm feeling kind of drained. I just want to have like dinner and maybe unwind with a glass of wine or something. And some days I feel like um, going up to the, the we have a, a, a art studio in our house, going up into that space and creating. But some days I just want to sit on the couch and like, I'm embarrassed to say it, like spend an hour on TikTok. That's probably not the best use of my time, but but because I'm so worn out at the end of the day, that's what I end up doing. Yeah, uh, similar. I, I think I'm so much better um, doing it early in the morning. I'm fresher. I haven't gotten drained you know, from the day. I mean, occasionally, you know, like you said, you'll sometimes go up to your studio. Occasionally, you know, I'll jot down an idea or I'll edit some pictures, you know, so I'm not necessarily, it's still part of the creative process, but it's not, you know, creating something completely <laughs> new, but I'm much more inspired if I do it uh, first thing in the morning. I have to ask, um, do you have kids? I do. I have a daughter. So you're managing to do all of this and parent at the same time? Well, it's, um, my daughter did uh, just go to college uh, as a uh, first year um, student. And I think that is part of why the last few years I have been investing a little bit more time. And it would give me something to do as an empty nester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I always say when people say, I don't know how you have time to do all the things that you do, I always sort of say, well, I don't have kids because I know that t kids can be, um, I mean, obviously kids are a big time investment and you want to spend time with your kids and you want to nurture your kids and help them grow and become, you know, wonderful human beings that they're destined to be. Um, so I, I feel always felt like I have more time because of that. But I, I love hearing that you've been able to carve a creative practice out even before your daughter um, went off to college. Um, and, and I think it's good for kids to see that. Um, how do you feel about that? I agree. I think it's good for them to see and also uh, sometimes to be a part of. Uh, you know, when I go out and uh, take pictures, a lot of times my husband, my daughter, and our dog uh, come along, you know, so it's a, a family awesome. affair. So, you know, they're really, you know, watching and they're involved in the process. They're helping me pick locations. Um, so it can be bonding time uh, as well and uh, like you said it uh, I think it helps teach them that you know it's important to uh, carve out time for yourself and to feed your passions and that you're more than just your job. Mm. Speaking of you know your job in what ways do you think having your creative practice makes you better at your job? I think, uh, well, a lot of the things that I spend my uh, creative time doing are, you know, related uh, to, to marketing, um, you know, to, to the things that we oversee. So I think it gives me, one, a respect uh, for the work. You know, we, we oversee designers, photographers, writers as the chief marketing officers, and it gives me a respect for how much uh, time and energy and uh, effort can go into 
writing a story or getting that uh, perfectly lit photograph, building a, a website. You know, I'm not nearly as talented as any of the folks that I supervise in any of those <laughs> things, but it gives me a greater appreciation for how much tr- true talent, you know, that, you know, that they have and how much time that it, that it takes. So I think that's one thing. And I think it also, creativity breeds creativity. You know, we've all heard that phrase. I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, who originated that quote, but I think there's some truth to it. We uh, really spend a lot of our time as marketers trying to cut through the clutter and find new ways to get people's attention. Um, so spending time on your own just for the pursuit of creativity is going to spark that idea or ideas that you need to, you know, to cut through the clutter and, and get and connect with your audience. And I think there's a lot to be said about what you mentioned about having a greater appreciation for what your staff has to do. I mean, understanding how much effort it takes to light a really great environmental portrait means that I don't say to somebody, can you just pop on over to so-and-so's office and get a quick picture of them? You know, I know what goes into that and the planning that goes into that. Um, and it's also, I think, benefited every um, photographer that has worked for me because I'm, le- I'm always like, oh, no, we do need to invest in the equipment. <laughs> and a lot of times they're like, I'm using my own personal camera because the institution camera is 10 years old and it's just not up to snuff for me anymore. Like, no, 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 go pick out, go get the B&H catalog and <laughs> pick out exactly what you want. Like, no budget, no budget, budget's the limit. Um, I think that that's been beneficial for them, for sure. Yeah, I notice it most with the blogging, you know, how hard it is to, you know, build <laughs> web pages. <laughs> and it's right. something that, you know, it, it would take me days to figure out. Like, I, I know the, the people that I work with, you know, could turn this out in just a few minutes, you know, so it just gives me an appreciation for all of the knowledge and experience <laughs> that they have. Yeah, yeah. I Frankly, when I was the director of web communications, I would have done that job for free because I loved building websites so much. But um, I also know, you know, what's involved in that. And honestly, if I could have a hobby of building websites, that would be like the, but I don't think that's like a normal hobby. (laughs) I'm just going to build a bunch of websites for nothing. I'm going to have a fake restaurant that I build a website for or something. Um, Are there ways that you think that your job helps you be better at your creative outlet? I mean, I certainly love what I do, you know, so I think that, um, you know, being around, I have an opportunity to, to be around creatives in, in what I do. Um, so I think that uh, helps me get, be better at my creative pursuits, just being around uh, people who are artists themselves. I, I think that's one way uh, that it helps, but I'll have to ponder that one a a little bit more. (laughs) In a lot of ways, I think about just the rapport that I've been able to build with some of the photographers and videographers that have worked for me to be able to have, be able to have conversations with them at work that then I can apply to my photography at home. Or, you know, I've, I've had staff who've been artists that like, we can kind of talk about that a little bit, but to think about how being a marketing leader makes me more creative, I, I guess. I've never really thought about that either. When I, when I pose these questions, they're, they're tricky for you, but <laughs> not, always, not always tricky for me. That's, that's the trick. Um, but I do think that 
the things, the skills that we get as executives help us in so many ways that we don't even know about. The skills that we have to use on a daily basis to navigate relationships and to negotiate with people and to compromise with people and all of that, like all of that is very, very helpful in your personal life. And I'm not sure everybody thinks about that. Yeah, I would agree. I think the experience of, you know, being a manager over the years has made me a better parent. And (laughs) so, yeah, yeah, definitely our experiences as uh, executives uh, bleed over uh, into other aspects of our of our life. I think about from that perspective, you know, this is very tangential to our topic. But, you know, when my father was dying of cancer, I kind of moved back home with my mom for a while to help take care of him and navigating the healthcare system and navigating my parents' relationship with each other because like they'd been together since my mom was in high school and she was really struggling with a lot of things and a lot of emotions and so was he. And being able to keep that poker face that we learn how to have, you know, in executive um, settings and all of that, I don't think I would have been as good a daughter without having been an executive. And I don't think I would have been able to help them as much without having that experience. Yeah, I was just thinking, I, I think it has helped me become a, a better daughter. Um, I, I don't know that I can articulate it, but I, I feel like it's it's there. So much about what we do is relational. So I guess it makes sense that we're better at relationships because we're able to be, or because we're forced to be really super, super relational in our jobs. Yes, we're working with all uh, different kinds of people and have to find a way to connect and motivate and yes. inspire, like you said, negotiate. Is this like a New Year's resolution for 2023 to, to have this hour of time a day dedicated to creativity? Yes, it was a New Year's resolution. I had been over the last uh, you know, couple of years, you know, trying to carve out time uh, to do it. And it was really uh, with, with New Year's that I thought, okay, how can I, I make this uh, a daily practice instead of doing it in, you know, chunks, you know, on, you know, spending a lot of time on vacations, you know, I was finding that I was, you know, doing that during, you know, my time off and wanted to in- integrate it more into my, into my daily life. Have you been using any tools to help manage your time or help identify ways you can carve out time? Um, identifying ways to carve out time is something that um, I would have done better if I had thought about that ahead of time. <laughs> if I had thought about what is an hour's worth of stuff I can give up <laughs> to mm. um, in order to make space uh, for this. Um, so that would be a, a lesson or advice um, for others that are considering doing this. Um, but in terms of what do I use to help uh, manage my time, um, or you know, uh, track some of this. Uh, I find the Google uh, suite of products uh, a great way to do it. I mean, use, blocking off time on my calendar. Um, you know, I block off an hour uh, during the workday of, of focus time. You know, that's not where I'm. You know, doing my <laughs> creative um, pursuits, um, but it does help me. You know, make sure that uh, work doesn't spill over uh, by having that uh, flexible time. And uh, also Google Tasks, Google Docs, you know, to you know to track things, to record what I'm um, what I'm learning from doing the creative, keeping track of how much time I'm spending, the different types, what I'm learning uh, from it. 
Do you journal or anything? I do. Uh, I'm not super organized about it. I tend to write uh, in whatever is available. If it is my phone, jot down a note. Um, I have stacks of uh, journals, you know, we get, it seems like we get some kind of uh, notebook uh, every conference <laughs> that yes, we go to, yes. you know, to have a stack of those, you know, where I pick up and, and, and write, and it might be a different one the next time, you know, so there's not a lot of um, linear, you know, to it. But yes, I'm a, I'm a journaler. Yeah, you mentioned, like, making note of what you learned from an experience. That's kind of what triggered for me, like, if you're kind of journaling, about your practice or journaling about the things that happen to you in life or journaling about your work. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a journaler. So I'm like super, super interested in, in people who do that practice. Yeah, I find that I can uh, look back over it uh, and and see, oh, okay, you know, just, just learn from, you know, keeping notes about what I've done. I mean, anytime, you know, throughout my life that I've you know, lost weight is because I've, you know, journaled about it or, you know, changed a bad habit or, you know, broken through on something that I was really struggling with. It's because I journaled about it and could go back and and look at the uh, patterns and, you know, really reflect on, you know, how I was feeling in the moment and how I might have, you know, changed or grown or, you know, what I've learned. And that's been something that I've done uh, since I was a kid as well. Oh, wow. I've always admired people who have that as a practice. And talking a little bit about the carving out of time, for people who maybe don't have the kind of schedules that maybe us at the the chief marketing officer level have, maybe you have a little bit more cushion in your schedule. I used to work, um, someone used to work for me who blocked out from noon to one every single lunch hour. He brought his lunch, he closed his door, and he worked on his novel for an hour every single day. And that was untouchable time. He did not, when we're all like, we're going all out to somebody's birthday or something, we couldn't budge him. He was gonna spend that hour a day working on his book. And um, I encourage people who can carve out that lunch hour as a creative time to do that. Like that's a really great built-in way where you might've gone and instead, you know, sat on TikTok for an hour or, or done something less productive. I think there's opportunity there for people to, to use that time. Yeah, that is, a, that is a great way to fit it in, regardless of uh, what level you are. Everybody gets a, a lunch hour, right? Um, yeah. And so many of us are, are guilty of, you know, working through lunch or having lunch at our desk. And, you know, so to, you know, to carve out that time and, and spend it on a creative uh, pursuit, that is an excellent suggestion. Yeah, I, I think that, or if you're, maybe you're not interested in pursuing a creative pursuit, but you want to get an hour of reflection time where you can journal, or maybe it's something where you want to go for a walk um, at lunch every day or something like that, but to really maximize that lunch hour. For me, I often use it actually so that I don't have to stay as late in the evening to get things done. So I often use it as like a, this is the time where I'm going to just plow through as many to-do items on my, on my checklist um, to kind of get so that I'm more able to leave at a decent time or I usually, for me, my husband and I 
are committed to having dinner together every night and not to have this like, I work so late that I'm just eating a microwave meal when I get home. And so, you know, sometimes I bring my laptop home and then open it up again after dinner. But it's taking for me, making the most use of that lunch hour as I can to be able to have a bigger chunk of free time in the evening is, is how I use it. Yeah, creating some time elsewhere for something yeah. that's important for you. I think if I were going to try to carve out an hour, I'd cut my hair at this point because that's having to like style my hair every morning <laughs> is something I could probably shave off of. Uh, that was not a pun that was intended, but I will, I will go ahead and pretend it was. Um, so do you have any recommendation for listeners as people think about pursuing a creative outlet or, or carving out time to pursue a creative outlet? I think you've given a, a great one of um, using your, your lunchtime. I think you can uh, combine it with other things. I mean, you mentioned, you know, going for a walk. A, a lot of times, um, you know, I will go for a walk and uh, take myself on with me and, you know, snap uh, pictures mm-hmm. along the way, you know, so that is um, creativity in a different way. Okay, how can I find something to take photos of, you know, on the, the same walk that I take every day or, you know, or pretty regularly. Um, so, you know, challenging yourself to, to find ways to fit it in around something else that you uh, might be doing is, is one thing. And if um, another thought that comes to mind, if you're you want to pursue uh, something creative, but you're not sure <laughs> what you want to do, you know, th- just think back to what you loved and enjoyed as a, as a child, you know, we all uh, probably could spend hours, you know, playing or experimenting as kids. And, you know, so think back to what did you love? There's your, your answer of the, the first thing that you should try to do in, as you explore your creativity. You mentioned earlier writing um, as a, a school-age kid, and that reminded me that I found a notebook of stories I had written as a school-age kid, and I just had to share this, and this maybe should have been my confession, um, but <laughs> I had one story where where the, the protagonist was a girl who had um, lost her leg from the knee to the ankle in a tragic accident. And I'm just picturing, like, did she still have her foot attached to her thigh? Like, what was I, what was seven-year-old me thinking when she wrote that story? But yeah, I hopefully I'm a better writer today. I had the same visual. I'm like, okay, how how would you illustrate that? (laughs) That might be my next creative challenge. Right. I think I basically wrote the horse whisperer at seven because like a horse, you know, was like what what made her, you know, overcome this debilitating shin vacancy that she had. Um, But yeah, I mean, I love that idea of looking back at what gave you joy when you were a kid or when you were younger and, and revisiting some of that. I love that idea. And, and when you talked about like discovering photography in this moment of a beautiful sunset or, you know, there's serendipity that can, can put something across your, your vision or whatever that you can suddenly have a deep investment in and great enjoyment from. And, and don't be afraid about being, you know, you know, 60 years old and taking up a new hobby. Like that's, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I yeah. Love yeah, and don't be afra- afraid to try something completely do- new, uh, too. I mean, one of the things I've done is I took a 
stained glass making class you know Mm. thought I was always intrigued by how you know pretty they were and I realized that is not my hobby you know that is not (laughs) my creative they're beautiful they're too precise uh, mm. for the kind of creativity that, you know, some people are great. That's right up their, their alley. And I'm a little better at um, creative pursuits where you can, you know, backspace and, <laughs> and start over or you can, you know, edit or crop and, and, and make it better. And, and you, you can't do that with, you know, something like uh, staying glass. Um, another thing that I, I did that was... Uh, creative and completely outside my box I took an improv uh, comedy class and anybody who knows me that is like the last thing I'm very introverted used to really be afraid of doing any kind of um, public speaking so this I mean this was really outside of my box (laughs) and it was a lot of fun uh, to do and explore that uh, that side of of me that I, I never knew that was there I have always wanted to do like a stand-up comedy class, but I have the same sort of like, but I don't want anyone to watch me do a stand-up <laughs> comedy class. I'm impressed that you had the courage to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know if I'll do it again, but I am <laughs> glad that I had that experience of of doing it. It it was it really helped me become a, a better um, speaker and just be more in the moment. I mean, when, you, when you're doing improv, you don't know what's coming, you know, what's coming at you. And it's just you and the other person on the stage, you know, so it, it teaches you a lot about teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is so much that I learned from, from doing that experience, but I'm with you. I, you're not gonna, you know, see me performing <laughs> on whose line is it anyway, after, <laughs> after taking that class, uh, nobody in, except for the people in the class got to see me do it. <laughs> I I like the idea of that as a creative outlet, though, you know, like thinking about non sort of non-traditional options for your creative outlet, you know, whether it's comedy or, you know, writing music or poetry or whatever. There's so many different ways that you can feed your creative soul. Um, And I hadn't really thought about improv, but as you're saying it, like you're going to have to think on your feet and you're going to have to come up with. The, the best comedy is creative. It's stuff people haven't thought of before, putting new ideas together. Like, I love that as a creative outlet. Yeah, it, it really is. There's a lot of creativity involved. In, and that in sort of yes improv- and, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, build on whatever is, you know, presented to you or, you know, just uh, whatever the audience uh, throws out at you okay how do we make this funny yeah Um, you know just writing um you know composing puns you know a lot of times uh improv you know there's a lot of um pun in it you know that that's creative you know coming up with those things right on the spot yeah I love that do you encourage your staff to have creative outlets I really try to and honestly uh most of them you know come to uh to us to come to the position uh, having a creative outlet and I encourage them to foster it and it's also been interesting to me whenever we um, have team time you know when we come together for a retreat or a holiday event uh, it usually has some kind of creative element uh, 
to it. You know, we have gone and, uh, you know, toured an art museum and spent, you know, time, you know, drawing or sketching. Uh, we've um, you know, spent time at uh, team meetings, you know, taking Play-Doh and everybody, you know, making something out of, you know, whatever two colors you were assigned. And, you know, it was fascinating to see the different approaches that people took uh, to, to that. I'll never forget, you know, our, our web developer at the time, he, he made a pizza out of his and it was the most technically correct looking wow. pizza out of, you know, it wasn't necessarily artistic, but it was very precise, you know, looking like, you know, so you, you learn about each other. Um, you know, the, our most recent holiday event, uh, we sat there and uh, colored <laughs> together. Oh. You know, uh, we've uh, taken advantage of the fact that we have art studios on campus and how to art professor teach us all how to uh, make a piece of clay we made little trivets you know out of clay and learned how to stamp them you know so we just tend to gravitate towards that as as a team and it's been a way to both feed our work uh, and learn a lot more about each other and just just have some fun which is important at work especially these days Absolutely. You've really inspired me because I have talked about in previous roles doing like a paint night or making pottery or something, but to tap into faculty members' expertise or your art department's expertise or, I mean, probably a lot of campuses have improv, uh, you know, classes that, that you can take together as a team. But giving everybody that creative outlet, I think that that is something I'm definitely going to incorporate into my next staff retreat. And I really can't take a lot of credit for that. A lot of times our um, design team and, you know, some of the staff members are the ones saying, hey, can we try this, you know, for our, our team meeting? So it's really come from them. I love that. I have somebody on my team right now who is an amazing calligrapher. She's actually contracted to write a book about how to do calligraphy. And maybe she could, you know, teach a class on um, how to do like the basics of what she does or something to give us, you know, a flavor of what she does in her spare time, but also like gives us an appreciation for what goes into to her creative practice or something. Yeah, that's a great idea. I was, it, it just made me think about our um, director of events is a excellent knitter. You know, I need to get him to, you know, give a, a, a class on teaching us some basic knitting, you know, just, uh, and I think that um, serves a, a great purpose to have somebody within the team, you know, teach the rest of their colleagues how to do something, you know, like calligraphy or, or knitting. Uh, you know, gives them a chance to show their uh, leadership skills in a in a different yeah. way. At the when I was at um, UW Oshkosh, gosh, fifteen years ago, they actually used to have for staff um, one day a, a year where you could sign up to teach a class to other staff members. It was like a staff appreciation type thing. So you could say, I want to teach a yoga class, or I want to teach a um, creative writing class or something. Um, and you talking about that made me realize like that's something that I could potentially bring to the institution that I'm at and recommend, you know, that we have something like that in the summer. It was always in the summer, you know, the faculty are all gone and it's like, let's learn from each other while the faculty are away kind of a thing. Yeah, I really like that. And, so, you know, and sometimes having your staff, you know, teach the faculty too, you know, it's a great yeah. way to uh, to build new relationships yeah, and there's so many talented people on our campuses, like so many people who have amazing 
side hustles and creative outlets and being able to tap into that. And I like, I don't know about you, but when I get started talking about things I'm passionate about that are outside of work, like you just get animated, excited, and people see you in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they, um, you know, see that passion that's there. And like you said, your whole, you know, demeanor uh, can, can change and it gives you something to, you know, connect on later. Um, you know, I have one, one colleague that, you know, once she found out that I uh, do some book blogging, you know, we talk about books, you know, all the time and share, you know, recommendations. And it's just given us a different way to, you know, to bond with each other, which yeah. is, it's really valuable. I want to double down on that book thing. Um, the, the last two institutions that I was at, we had book clubs where we read books and discuss them together and I remember I, I did it when I first got to Miami and um, you know I had all ranges of staff in this book club and I remember somebody who was like you know several layers below me um, on the org chart saying you know this let me see you as a leader in a totally different way because you're talking about something that's just not telling us what to do or trying to inspire us or, or whatever. It's just was like a totally different conversation. And she felt that her relationship with me was deeper because she'd had that experience with me. Um, and I, I bet that along with kind of what you're talking about with those um, opportunities to be creative together, probably give that same sort of opportunity. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we've done something um, similar with, and again, this wasn't my idea. Our design team uh, came up with, let's discuss a book. Uh, it was Design as Storytelling mm. by Ellen Lupton. Let's, you know, read a chapter each week and do some of the exercises and get together as a team, you know, make this uh, weekly commitment to, to talk about it. And it really did let me see some of them in a different way, you know, to, you know, hear their take um, on on the exercises in the book and uh, said, let them see me, you know, let my hair down, <laughs> you know, yeah. to keep with the hair analogy, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in a different and and see me in a different light too that you know I'm I'm human <laughs> you know yeah. just just like them and feel like I can learn just as much uh, from from them it's not always I have to have the answers it can be very lonely at the VP level uh, you know it, it people generally the people that are kind of below you think of you as being like somehow different not not fully human in a way and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way but um, just like how we tend to think about leaders as being like this separate sort of thing um, and we're not we're all human beings right you know I'm guilty of that too I you know love our president to death have, have a great relationship to her and I still you know when I get called to our office think gosh am I in trouble <laughs> you know so you know I think we all can 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 do that you know think that um you know that they're you know some, a leader is um you know just on a different level as a human and, and we're really not we're all no. <laughs> all equals and have so much to to learn from each other if you are a leader and you think you're better than than everyone because you're a leader, like you're not going to be a very good leader. Yeah, and you're probably not going to be a leader for long either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Nobody wants to follow follow somebody like that. If people wanted to see, you know, some of your creative pursuits, I, I know you're on Instagram, but can you can you tell folks where they can find you? 
Always uh, happy to connect on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, KEVESMC. And also, you're welcome to check out my photography website, uh, Flash Mama Photography. Uh, it's named after you know two of my favorite things, being a mom and mm-hmm. uh, taking, taking photos. Your URL should have tipped me off that you have kids. <laughs> 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 or else you have a really dysfunctional relationship with flashes. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> Well, I hope you take a take a look at, at Christy's work. She is very, very talented and, um, you know, a great person to follow, great insights on social platforms. And as always, I hope that after this episode that you'll join in this conversation. I would love to hear about your creative outlets, how you find time for creativity, um, share your drawings, tell me the stories of your shinless protagonists, your uh, improv classes. I would love to hear more about that. So you can do that with the hashtag HireEdCMO. Um, you can always find me on Twitter at Jamie Hunt IMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C. I'm on LinkedIn. Kind of um, still hanging out on Twitter, waiting to see if it you know continues or not. But um, I have no plans to leave LinkedIn at the moment. Um, and you can also find me on my website at thehireedcmo.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, let's go bust some very creative silos. Hey, y'all. Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.